Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway, here to announce my new line of clothing from The Gap that Elon Musk has endorsed. <laughs> he has not endorsed anything, including your presidency. Let me just say something. I think yeah. you missed me quite a bit over the weekend. You contacted me. I dialed in on Friday. I know. I dialed in. sad. That was kind of sad, but beautiful. And I called you. I never call anybody You anymore. never call me. You just wanted to chat. You missed me. I did. Me. You really do. I did. No, you, I did. You can't I, quit me, as they I say in Montana. I can't quit you, Kara. It's true. I can't. Listen to me. We got a lot to talk about. The joke you were making is Elon Musk has gotten the shorts. You know, he's selling shorty shorts. He had a vaguely sexist picture of a lady in shorty shorts. Uh, but he was taking a victory lap on the fact that his stock is is 1,336, something like that. And the shorts are getting killed. Um, but yeah. but but, you know, you you were not you were you, you were you did not short it, but you definitely had a dubious uh Questions around it. Well, hold on, hold on. Let's pause what? there. I just right. want to be, we should be totally clear. Right. Last year at South by Southwest in yes. front of a cast of thousands, when the stock was at 330, I said that this company was going to crash. Mm-hmm. It went to 230, and I thought I was a genius, and now it's at 1200. Yeah. Yeah. So don't try this at home. Don't, don't try, try this, this at, home. at home. Do not try this at home. But let me just let you take a victory lap on Lemonade, which was is an insurance yeah. company. They're disrupting the system. So, you know, you get a lot of hard time about stock picks online from yeah. particular people. But let's talk about um, this is the insurance disruptor. Uh, and yeah. also you had also said Airbnb is going to be enormous. So let's talk a little bit. Um, let's read. Let's listen to the tape of what you talked about. And then let me hear from you about how you think about stock okay. picking. Go ahead, Rebecca. I'll give you one lemonade, the insurance disruptor. Uh, Airbnb will be enormous. I think there are companies that are going to come out of this so strong that the that if you will, the downturn, the deceleration gave them the opportunity. I don't want to call it shed dead wood, but basically get in fighting Mm -hmm. shape, cut costs like crazy, come back. Their profits will be stronger. A lot of these companies have laid off 20, 30 percent of their staff. Their revenues are going to return. They'll hire back 5% of those people, and their profitability is going to skyrocket, and they're going to come into this either through a direct listing or if they want it to be a branding event, they'll pay Goldman and J.P. Morgan 7% not to market their securities to their own crony, corrupt um, institutional investors. All right. So, Scott, you were saying that this was going to be a big deal, and it has been. So talk a little bit about your systems, your systems. So... uh, First off, I've sold once. I've sold and bought. I've sold one stock in the last five years and purchased two. The company mm-hmm. I sold was Facebook. It's difficult to be as sanctimonious as I am and own stock in Facebook, mm-hmm. so I sold it despite the fact I think it's going to continue to go up. But anyway, and I purchased two stocks in the last five years. The first is Twitter. Twitter, if it commands the space it occupies, changes their CEO, doubles their their new product release and innovation and moves to some sort of a subscription model just makes that the fast growing part of the business i think it's a hundred dollar stock 30 billion dollar market cap versus 700 at facebook that has all kinds of upside and downside protection because it would make an acquisition if it got much cheaper but anyways the other stock i have purchased is i looked at I do an online strategy course at Prop G, and I've, mm-hmm. it, essentially the course is I've tried to disarticulate all the elements that these companies that have the four, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google, have in common, and then see if you can apply that same criteria. And it's everything from vertical to uh, networking effects or some sort of uh, AI mm-hmm. likability um, and ability, uh, uh, visionary storytelling such you can access cheaper capital. Anyways, I have this list of things. 
And I've applied it to a bunch of private companies. And I found one company that kind of checked all the boxes, and that was Lemonade. Right. And then if you look at the market dynamics, and market dynamics will always trump specific company performance. You have 60% of the world's economy is now precluded from the IPO market, whether it's media, Mm -hmm. travel, uh, any sort of hospitality is off the table right now to access the IPO market. So you have a reduction in supply of IPOs. But at the same time, the demand, mostly from institutional investors, nobody likes to say this out loud, but they they are living their best lives and have more money than ever. So you have a lack of supply, too much demand. So I just say, okay, this company is a disruptor. It's going into an industry that is so fat with margins, and that is, i.e., insurance. And in a monopoly era, if you can establish a reputation as the disruptor, get access to cheap capital, click all the boxes around the T algorithm, as I call it, enter into a market with more cash and demand than supply, IPOs, boom, a ton of people trying to get through a crowded door. So I used yeah. every contact I had to so try and get allocation not enough, in this IPO. Not enough, there's a lot of money with not enough stuff to buy. So it has, right. and it's an attractive stock and it's disrupting in the correct way. Very smart CEO. See, these are all the different, you, you left out the fact that CEO is really an interesting and uh, visionary storytelling ability to articulate a vision that results in cheaper capital such you can pull our, your future forward. In addition, the biggest macro trend is we keep talking about COVID being an accelerant. What you have, and this has happened with Tesla too, is the world has fast forwarded 10 years. And typically a stock price is something resembling the consistency of those cash flows, the size of them, and the risk of them. And then you go out three, five, okay, even 10 years, and then you Mm -hmm. discount it back at a discount rate. Right. And what the market has said now is we're going to go out 10 years to the future, and we're going to discount those cash flows back at a rate of zero. So Tesla just passed the value of Exxon, which is kind of interesting. And they've essentially said we're going to look at Tesla and value it as if it will continue to perform the way it's performing for 10 years. And it's now more valuable than any automobile company, including Toyota. So if you look at if you can find the one disruptor in fat and happy industries, whether it's financial services, whether it's hospitality, or I thought the fattest are are going to be education and healthcare, but there's no disruptor that's emerged there yet. Mm -hmm. But the disruptor in what is arguably one of the fattest industries in the world, if you're getting taking, if people are taking you to dinner playing golf with you, and they don't really like you, Mm -hmm. that means they're in an industry waiting to be disrupted. And there is more golf and insurance than any industry in the world. Yep, yep, yep. So this was, this just checked every box in the world. And I thought, okay, this will be the second stock I've purchased in five years. Do you have any predictions for Tesla? Then are you then saying whatever, buy the Tesla at any price? I, I my viewpoint on Tesla is quite frankly, I am too emotionally involved. I can't be an yeah. accurate. I don't I find some of the things that Elon Musk has said and done offend me personally. And so it yeah. has given me an inability to evaluate the stock. What I would say is to anybody is, I mean, if someone's asked about Tesla, I'd just say don't get near it. Because if it got cut in half, it would make sense. But at the mm-hmm. same time, if it doubled you know, this guy's a visionary. He's the Edison of our generation, and the stocks does not seem to trade on any sort of fundamental. So Buyer yeah. beware. I, yeah, I don't math. think I don't think Tesla is investing. I think it's gambling at this point. All right. Okay. All right. Still, you're still still good. Anyway, uh, we will talk about this more. By the way, but lemonade up two hundred percent. Did you yep. see where it is yep. today? Is it going to stay there? Is it going to stay there? I don't know. I, I would say this though. A lot of people have asked me, "Are you going to hold?" I think when a stock goes up this much, you need to be some. careful and let it settle. I personally am probably going to take my basis off the table, right? Because if it's if a stock's up if a stock's up two hundred percent in two days. Yeah. 
Uh, that's his got that's his kind of that's crazy. Yeah. But Elon I want to be supportive. I like the company. I don't like to trade stocks, but when a stock's yeah. up two hundred percent, many people do that. Many people do that. Good idea. All right. Speaking of which, we're going to talk about issues like how you do stock trades at, at our live stream event series, Pivot School. That's right. Speaking of which, we're going to host that in August with a lot of big names. Uh, this week, uh, Sarah Fryer, uh, the CEO of Nextdoor, agreed to come on. We've got some other big names and announcements to come in the weeks. Uh, you can buy tickets at pivotschooled.com. We've already sold hundreds of them, Scott. People hundreds. want hundreds and hundreds we're going to sell we want to get 5,000 people there is that right something like that that's a lot is that right? 5, I don't know no, I okay. just made that up off the top okay. of my head but let's speaking of which I'm going to actually we, we maybe we should get uh, Uber CEO Dara Kosrashah who I recently did a podcast with uh, He he's buying Postmates he yeah. could not buy uh, Grubhub the food delivery company the ride hailing giant acquired the company for 2.65 billion dollars in stock Uber announced uh, Monday morning it will continue combine its food delivery and Uber Eats with Postmates together they ha- would have about a 37% share of food delivery sales in the United States but their competitor DoorDash would still be the biggest player in the space with 45%. Uber is moving into the delivery space after showing losses in its uh, core ride-hailing business during the pandemic, although that's apparently recovering. But they lost almost $3 billion last quarter. Uh, the food delivery business is doing great, as you might imagine. Yeah. Ro- revenue rose 53%. Um, I spoke to Kostra Shahi on Rico Decode a few weeks ago when the company was in talks to buy Grubhub, which it lost out to European competitor called Just Eat Takeaway. I've never heard of them, but there you have it. Um, I was asking about the possibility that this was going to be uh, a food delivery duopoly. Here is what Dara said. This market is much broader than some people are presenting it to be, right? Uh, restaurant okay. uh, restaurants deliver directly, Domino's, et cetera, delivers directly. Uh, grocery is delivered directly, including hot food, et cetera. So I think that I would disagree with the definition of market. This market just got bigger. Like we're getting into grocery as well. Uh, both organically and inorganically. So I just think that this delivery of food and essentials to homes is an enormous market, and I don't see anyone or any two having 90% of that market. It's way too big a market. There are way too uh, many players getting in. All right, that's what he would say. That's what they all say. That's what Amazon says, et cetera. So what do you think, Scott? What do you think about this? He, He got the smaller player... You think the the regulators will allow it, and then what happens here? Well, first off, it, it is a smart move, right? It, they have the ability here. This is a true pivot. It's not a restart. It's a yeah. pivot, and that is they had this business. I predicted they were going to spin it off. Uh-huh. I was wrong. They're not only not spinning off, they're doubling down. They're bulking up. And the question I have, and I don't know if you've heard anything, is that initially they were going to go after the bigger player. They were going to merge with DoorDash, yeah, Grub, right? Grubhub. No, Grubhub. They were going to oh, buy sorry. Grubhub, which they got were bought buy by Grubhub. the Europeans. Yeah. 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 They were going to buy, they were going to buy Grubhub, DoorDash was the Europeans, and they ended up buying, or it looks like they're buying Postmates. But mm-hmm. them, them and DoorDash were going to be such a huge part of the market. Yeah. That they would uh, potentially raise antitrust concerns. And they say the deal was scuttled because of price. And I'm curious mm-hmm. if it was price or the fact that they got early signals back from their lawyers in DC that this will never go through. I think that's, the, I think the second, you know, it's interesting because the restaurant industry is not a united group, right? It's all over the place in states. That's it's their fragmented. problem. It's yeah. fragmented, which you've talked about quite a lot. Um, if they had bought, 
a Grubhub, which was pretty much triple the price, double, double and a little bit more of the price. Uh, I think that would have called an attention to them controlling, yeah. I think, 57% of the market and, and then yeah. post, uh, and then, uh, DoorDash with the other big group. Um, and so the question is two things. One is this, assuming this is allowed, and I don't even know if that's an assumption, but I'm assuming they've gotten signals that this one's okay. What yeah. does DoorDash do? Right. So DoorDash is is a big player in this gives I think this gives Uber Eats movement in Miami and Los Angeles. I think Postmates is super popular, I think, in those cities. I forget which ones. But what does DoorDash do now? DoorDash doesn't want to be in the lift position. Right. Even though it has yeah. a bigger market. What do they get sold to an Amazon or a Walmart? I talked about that this morning on CNBC. But what did they just sit there with 45 percent of the market and split it with essentially split it with Uber Eats or what? What do you imagine is going to happen? Two is not great. Two two delivery services is a problem, as far as I can tell. Well, there's different dimensions. If you're a restaurant, and there's there's no one restaurant that I think has more than three percent market share. And if mm-hmm. the people that stand between you and the consumer set around this massive transition and channel how people consume your product, I mean, we're literally going from you know the the percentage of people that are going to consume this industry's offering, basically restaurant food through a new channel, it's going to grow hundreds of billions of dollars. And mm-hmm. they're going to have, those players are going to have all sorts of power. And the fewer of them, the more power they have. So yeah. we're talking about three already have 80 or 90% power. If it moves to a duopoly, that's even scarier. But I think you're, uh, I think what you just said is the interesting statement. And that is somebody, I don't know if it's an Amazon, I don't know if it's a Walmart. I think those are two interesting players comes in. I was trying to think of who. You know, or is it what's the biggest restaurant company in the world? Like, well, like who comes in and says, all right, enough. we're, you know, I, I, I don't know. But this is a very dynamic market. The problem is there's a lot of really intelligent economists at the DOJ that should be looking at the long term effects of this because these things are really hard. If you approve them, they become really hard to unwind. And whereas yeah, there exactly. used to be 20 antitrust investigations there were basically nine times as many antitrust investigations uh, initiated two decades ago. Now there's very few. Yeah. And if you let this thing go through without real scrutiny and the DOJ is outgunned, they don't have their budgets are cut every year and this thing grows through, you might end up in another instance where you have a few, a number of small players, as we do in tech, that basically starts the margin from what is one of the biggest employers in a really robust industry. And that's the restaurant industry. So this yeah. is, this warrants a lot of scrutiny, but from a pure shareholder standpoint, if you're Uber, yeah, I think this is a. There's just not getting around it, and I'm not a big fan. What is of it? What is it? Let me off to the side. What is DoorDash has to either sell or get bigger, right? Either get bigger or sell. One I think of that's the two. Right. And Lyft. What does Lyft do now? Like Lyft. Uh, if I were if I were Lyft, I'd have bankers fired up everywhere, reaching out to everyone. DoorDash. From, or, or yeah, just saying we need. They need to bulk up fast. Yeah. They need. They absolutely. This has become. War of the Worlds, and they're they're they've just they're Pluto. They've just been downgraded from planet to lunar, you know, lunar <laughs> object. So Pl- Pluto is always a planet to me, but um, but you'll always be a planet. To me. Uh, we'll planet, always have planet. we'll always have Paris and Pluto. Uh, Pluto, we can't go to Paris now, uh, Scott. They won't let us in, uh, oh, Americans. Um, I know. We'll get to that in a minute. So uh, so so you would imagine? I think Lyft is kind of would Lyft and DoorDash merge? That's an interesting question. It, 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 there's really, uh, we should bring on someone more thoughtful and knowledgeable yes. about this stuff and us to say, okay, there are some kind of hanging chads or some things yeah. that, that should be, uh, that, that are just going to make, they're going to be in the news, Roku and Shopify either as yeah. 
most likely acquirers. There's just some interesting things out there. A lot's going to happen. That are either going to change hands or go acquire. There's the mother of all bulking up is going to take place right now. There's some very interesting bankers. Pinterest. Pinterest. Yeah. What happens with Pinterest? What happens even with Snap? Yeah. There's just got to be, there's going to be some movement here because things are accelerating, Kara. The future's being pulled forward. You're going to have, you're going to have not 10 years, but three years of M&A, I think in the next six months. Good prediction. Speaking of hanging, Chaz, uh, we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk about the big four tech executives who are headed to D.C. for a hearing in late July. And then we're going to talk about TikTok and Clubhouse with our friend of Pivot, Taylor Lawrence. Okay, we're back. This month, the CEOs of Facebook, Google, Amazon, and Apple are all going to appear in front of Congress as part of an antitrust investigations and a story broken by none other than Kara Swisher. Anyway, this is shaping up to be an all-day event with testimony from Mark Zuckerberg, Sundar Pichai, Jeff Bezos, and Tim Cook. The executives have all agreed to appear voluntarily, which is controversial, but because of the pandemic, it is still unclear whether they will be there live in person. A lot of people think this is not a good idea because they'll be able to escape scrutiny together. Um, and at the same time, uh, they don't, a lot of people don't think it's enough time for, for them and that they should have been subpoenaed so they could keep them there for days and days and days and days. So Scott, what do you think of this? Is this, this is David Cicilline, uh, who chairs the House Antitrust Committee. It's not clear if it's going to be in front of the Judiciary Committee or just the Antitrust Subcommittee. Uh, what do you, what do you think about this? I think we're already being played or I think Congress has already been played because by bringing all four of them, you create this amorphous impression of all of big tech. And the reality yeah. is, you know, it's kind of the mother of all reduction. And that is Apple is an entirely different company than Facebook. It requires regulation of the app store or maybe even spinning the chip unit, which no one ever talks about. Yeah. Facebook, you know, should just be broken up and or, you know, face much more severe penalties or even civil or criminal charges. And what's going to the biggest beneficiary here is they because they are all coming together None of them are really going to be singled out and they're not going to get the opportunity to go really deep around specific, uh, you know, what the remedy, the, the the problems in the remedies for Amazon are just much different than any of the other companies. And the real winner here is Mark Zuckerberg, because if it was just him solo for two days, yeah. it would get really ugly really fast. But instead, yeah. they're going to be like, we like Tim Cook. They're, they're going to spend they're not going to be no one is going to get there's going to be safety in numbers here. Mm-hmm. And so for them to all show up together, there's going to be a general assumption and general conclusions around big tech. And there will be – this is incredible delay and obfuscation through, through the, the, the safety in numbers. Because they bring, don't have to necessarily appear in person where they can't do the whole hand thing, the whole visuals. I think Jeff Bezos is not going to show up. Uh, I think he's very germ uh, germ aware with COVID, so they Is have that a way. Right, to, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I think he he's coming. been sticking. No, I, I, I don't know. It's not clear. Um, I just don't know which one of them is going to come. I know he's been at his, he has a, he, he's been not seen, if you've noticed that. Uh, Zuckerberg has been a little more seen, but I think they're all, they all have an excuse to not come. And I think it's a good excuse, by the way, um, not to physically come, even if they try to do social distancing, et cetera. Right. 
Um, so that's Can't one they thing. Zoom in? I mean, uh, they can, but it's it's less like you know if you have someone like and uh, I don't know who's on these committees. Is AOC and Katie Porter on them? It depends on which committee yeah. whether it's going to be this. You want the subcommittee asking questions so fewer people ask questions, right? Yeah, agreed. You have the whole House Judiciary Committee. It's run by I think Nate Nadler. Nadler, Nadler yeah. yeah. So that's going to be like one of those ridiculous things. And if there's four of them, see, a lot of people thought they should do it one every day. That's like right. one every day, and That's they have because right. they have different concerns. Now the question is, one will people they 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 probably said we're only going to do it if we do it together. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that makes sense. But it's interesting because my feeling is people will attack Zuckerberg, Sundar, and Tim will sit in the middle and they'll just sort of lick Jeff Bezos up and down. <laughs> I don't, you know what I mean? I like think what's, that's right. I think that's, that's I think that's a issue. perfect description. Yeah. So all of them together is not a great thing. At the same time, they've never appeared, so it does put focus on this topic. So maybe that's really the point here. Yeah, we'll see. I don't I think I think we're gonna get played. I think Bezos is gonna be I think Fantastic. it's gonna Fantastic. Yeah, I think it's gonna be like Howard Hughes when he testified where everyone was worried about it and he ended up making the Senate uh, panel he testified in front of look ridiculous and he came off looking great. Like you know, I think I think Bezos is kind of the 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 Howard Hughes of our generation minus mm-hmm. the neuroses. Right. He's just an incredible vision. Anyways, it's I, I think they've already won. I hate to say this. They're going to be really well prepared. Tim Cook is just going to be exceptionally likable. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bezos will be exceptionally visionary. People go after go after Zuckerberg, but they're going to run out of time going after right. him. Mm-hmm. And then Sunder is, you know, he, he, I think he'll just stay the hell out of it. I think he'll yeah. just try and stay away. He'll smile. Smiley wave kind of thing. We'll see. Have you heard anything from these companies in terms uh, of what they're preparing for? No, I think they're just, I just think they're safety in numbers, safety in numbers. And they can just get, put Mark in front of everybody, like shove Mark in the front. And so I think that it depends on the questioners too. You never know. You can get a real back and forth. Yeah, you can get them all. You know? And some of yeah. these Zooms can be, even though in person has that drama of the, of the, of the room and the, and the, all the photographers click, click, clicking down at their feet, which you're not going to have, obviously. And the, you know, the whole visuals of a, of that kind of thing, you have that, but you're not going to have that at the same time. I don't know if you've seen some of these zooms go crazy. They really, there's some real like, but then of course there's going to be crosstalk there and that's harder to do to control if you're the head of the committee. Uh, and I don't think Nate Nadler is going to be able to do that. Yeah. So, so, but I've seen some really testy zooms going on. And so that's the question if say, I don't, again, I don't know if someone like a Katie Porter, but if someone like that comes in and really pushes them, the question is, does it really last? Cause look, AOC and Porter did a great job. First, there was the first Mark Zuckerberg hearings, which were terrible and Mark came out great. And then there were the second ones where, where Mark got sort of taken to task by AOC and Katie Porter, if you recall. Um, so if you have people like that, it just, what's the result? What is, what is, and, and I think people aren't really paying attention. That's one of the issues. And I like, uh, representative Cicilline. He's going to come on pivot, by the way, uh, in the next week or two. Um, we can ask him that question. Uh, what is, and he's been quite strong, you know, about their power. It's just the question of whether you can get the American public to pay attention to it, given, you know, you know, president racist over here and the coronavirus here. And so that's the issue is are going to people going to get angry about this? The only thing I think that would add the most value to these is if we could have some sort of citizen representative that at the end of these things, we get to ask, get to ask not questions of the panelists, but of the people that sit on these committees. Mm -hmm. Okay. You've done 14 of these committees. You've spent this much time. Six. But only 4% of you have a background in technology or engineering. Do, yeah. do any of you have the qualifications to be asking these questions too? 
you talk a big game. You said the following things. You've made absolutely no progress around any right. legislation around any of this. Why is it right. you are so ineffective? You right. know, they, they, there should be a series of questions to the people who are grandstanding and creating all this movement without any progress. I our elected representatives that talk a big game about big tech and want to want to be want to pose for the cameras, be seen as tough, and then go shake Jeff Bezos' hand and then do do absolutely nothing. Yeah. So it feels as if I, I'm I'm at the point where I want to start questioning these guys and saying, just simply put, how can you be so upset about this yet so ineffective? Yeah. The thing is, what can they do? I think a lot of the whole Trump thing, everything else has shown how little impact Congress can really have. And they, right. they, they, they just went point. on two weeks. They just went on two weeks without doing anything about coronavirus around people's jobs, around rent, around anything. They just they couldn't agree. Like so. And so, you know, into the void go goes, whether it's Trump or these tech companies. Um, and I think that's the issue is what do they have except for calling people together? And there is certain there is certain PRness to having these these testimonies, right? There is, it well, really does they, they, physically they, look right. really There great. can be a moment. There can right. be a, a moment right. where someone asks a question they're not prepared for. And you see, you, you've had a, actually a couple of those moments with, with, with people. But at the end of the day, the yes. only thing that, that passes for bipartisan legislation is legislation that flattens the curve for rich people. Whether yeah. it's immediate stimulus of three to $5 trillion, which will be seen as a hate crime against future generations the only time that we can get our elected representatives to come together is when they agree to explode the deficit to flatten the curve for rich people and and spread vaseline over it with some sort of narrative around how it's going to help americans and demonstrate leadership other than that they become entirely ineffective their the institutions have been defunded you're right one of the i think one of the most interesting things that'll be written about historically as it, as it relates to our our union is the fact that trump more than anything has demonstrated that our elective representatives have way more power than we thought our institutions do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that our yeah. institutions are primarily feckless and can be overrun by elected yeah. representatives. No one as thinks long they're gonna they're do that. Yeah, yeah. Brazenness. Brazen and lack of shame. Just like the new White House uh strategy is we're gonna we're gonna teach people to to be numb to the deaths and to live with it. That's their strategy, which yeah. might work. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think it will work actually. People are very angry about this. Four four um, percent of the world's population, twenty six percent of the infections and twenty five percent of the deaths. Incredible. American Maybe. exceptionalism. But wait, yeah. we had more time to prepare for it and we spend more money on healthcare. Oh wait, that yeah. should mean they should be I mean it's just yeah. the numbers are getting, you know what Stalin said, one death is a tragedy. Yes. Millions are statistic. Us. We are now into statistic mode where we can't even absorb just the amount of death, disease, and disability that has been levied on this country by a a lack of citizenship by us uh, and b extraordinary incompetence and negligence at the yeah. federal level. It's just yeah, been- these pictures that keep coming in. It's the same thing, and and I think one of the things I think it, it, they are related. This idea of people not caring. They like they like their phones. They like their maps. They like their dating apps. You know what I mean? Like. They don't, they're willing to put up with this much behavior in order. Like I keep writing the same friggin' column over and over again, saying these people have enormous power and they, they've they gotten people used to it. And I think if they have a friendly face, like Bezos is charming and, and interesting and he really is, same thing with Elon, same thing with all of them. I don't think Elon presents that danger. I think he's actually making things that are important. But yeah. like Tim is very... You know, Sundar is really very charming and very, you know, earnest, very much likability. The only one that you don't like is Zuckerberg. And you do see whenever I write a Facebook thing, the enormous amount of dislike toward this particular CEO. And I don't know why, because he's actually 
a very nice guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's a really interesting thing. There's something about well, him that people don't I'm sure like. Mussolini's friends found him fucking no, charming. No, 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 he was not charming. You know what I mean? There's He's the only one that seems to attract ire, general ire. I don't like that guy. There's something wrong with that guy, which I think is, I'm not sure. Common sense. I would argue that's common sense. <laughs> okay. In any case, it, it, there's not enough anger to compare it with giving up your Instagram or giving up your TikTok well, the, or giving up. Your- the personal liberty thing is going to be, uh, uh, I'm just struck. I've been traveling or uh, a decent amount, or I, I've yeah. been in Florida, New York, and the Rockies, and I'm in the Rockies now. And it strikes me that in Florida, 11,000 new infections yesterday, and mm-hmm. people just aren't masking. Then I was in Montana, yeah. 21 infections, and almost everybody is masking, including when I went, to, I took my boys to see Old Faithful, and we're mm-hmm. outside, and, and almost everyone has a mask on. I would call yeah. that citizenship and there's just this weird vein in america where people say we like to blame our federal government but i think a lot of the blame is the man and the woman in the mirror where it's like well okay my kid might have to go through a metal detector and and uh, and mrs mrs smith my homeroom teacher might have to be trained and have a glock in her desk but that's that's the price we have to pay for freedom care but if you make right. me wear a mask in a walmart for 10 mu- 10 minutes that's tyranny yeah, that's tyranny. There's, there's so many videos of people. There was a lady throwing masks on the ground. There was another, like there was one woman went into a Canadian hospital and the Canadians aren't having any of it. She had a finger problem and she was like, I can't believe they wouldn't let me wear a mask. And there was this nurse with tats up and down her arm. She looked fantastic. Um, and she was like, yeah, you're not getting in. Like she was like, you ain't getting in. Like she had a mask and she was no, she was like, no friggin' way you're getting past these guns right Great now. Great state like, of Colorado, they're masking. They're masking yeah. like crazy. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that, but I do think it's a link to this is why aren't people more, like I, 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 people are, are aware of being played by these tech companies. I'm going to get back to tech and then we're going to yeah. talk Taylor yeah. in a minute around TikTok yeah. and stuff. But why don't they get, is it that they get enough stuff from them or is it that, it's too exhausting or they sort of know they're being spied on and they know that they're being made into, uh, you know, you know, in, they're making the entertainment or whatever. I just don't know. I just I, I want it. It's the same level well, of like uh, it, ah, it I goes back out. to our splitting of the atom. The splitting of the atom saved the world. And all of a sudden, as from 1945 on, our church attendance and reliance on a super being has gone down. But our questions have gotten gotten grander and more difficult to answer. And into that void steps this magic that we don't understand that offers us almost magical-like results, and that's technology. And our idolatry mm-hmm. of technology combined with our fascination with the dollar has let a cohort of the wealthiest technologists and innovators emerge as our new Jesus Christ. And we afford them a dangerous level of license. And we are fascinated with these devices. We're obsessed with them. They have addictive qualities, and they generate a ton of money and a ton of shareholder value, and our 401ks are up, and we know someone whose daughter made a million dollars by the time she was 27, and they're the new Jesus Christ. They're the Mm -hmm. new deities of our society, and it is really, really dangerous. But it began with the splitting of the atom and technology entering the space that spirituality used to hold in our lives. Yeah. So therefore, President Kanye West. In In Colorado, (laughs) obviously there's edibles here. It's pretty obvious. It's pretty obvious. And they're legal. All right, listen. And they're legal. Speaking of entertainment and other things, actually a very serious issue, this idea of what we put up with, we're going to move on to a friend of Pivot when she arrives. Oh, but wait, can Uh, I do, we have a quick ad. Can we do a quick ad? Do your ad. Do your ad before. I have a voice reader. Although we kind of want her to hear it. And it's related to our guest. Hold on. All right, okay. (laughs) Hi, everybody. It's Scott Galloway, co-host of Pivot. There hasn't been... A social media platform of any significance founded since 2011. That changes 
Today, people have been clamoring, clamoring for a platform that gives voice to a sector that is 84% male and yet victimized. Yes, your wait is over. It's time to bring voice to the overheard. Introducing Douche House, the social platform that brings you all of the toxicity of Twitter and Facebook without the scale. How do you know if you're right for Douche House? Does your Twitter feed place you somewhere between an asshole and a jerk? Do you conflate luck with talent? Do you mistake media dissent for attacks? And finally, finally, do you admire Trump's victim complex and attacks on female journalists? If so, then Douche House is for you. Why not try it today? Go to www.douchehouse.com pivot for 20% off the chance to kiss my ass. Douche House, because you're interesting. I'm putting back, that up on the back internet. Back to the program, Kara. Back <laughs> to the going, program. By the way, have you been invited in to Duke's house? I mean, talk, clubhouse, talk house? I was. I was. And then suddenly I can't get in. It's interesting. I was going to come and knock some heads because of Taylor, who's coming on in a second. I was invited. And now I can't get in. And I think that, you know, who knows why. They've suddenly gone silent on me. So I was invited. So yes. Can you I was get invited. in? I was invited by in? a senior person one of the platforms who said we need more diversity on this thing and i listened to that audio yeah and after listening to the audio i decided to download the app so i could erase it all right now that we've introduced douche house uh scott your new product uh on the line we have new york times tech reporter uh taylor lawrence she covers the internet culture and deeply in the know about tiktok uh briefly before we get to tiktok taylor we're going to talk about yours being subjected to nasty online harassment last week that was egged on by some tech investors on clubhouse which is what we're talking about so we're going to talk about that but let's let's first talk a little bit about sort of tiktok one of the things that i flagged today um, around TikTok was the, there was a really good, um, tweet about, about the idea that all teens are now on TikTok, essentially. High school musical movies made it seem like teenagers do nothing but randomly break out into dance and TikTok proved that to be true. Um, just give us sort of an update of where TikTok is. Then I, we, we do want to get into this issue, uh, around, um, around that you've been facing. Yeah. Um, well, dance is obviously still huge on TikTok, but I've actually been interested to see how the platform is really evolving past dance. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, dance is sort of the format that's most synonymous with it, but you see kids, you know, dancing, but also engaging in political expression or sharing thoughts mm -hmm. or, you know, just making kind of short commentary on things. To me, it's, it's much closer to kind of how kids would use YouTube mm -hmm. as this expression of identity. Um, so it's not just it's not just kids dancing. Right. But it's also people doing various things. You saw the adults jumping into shoes. They're doing like a lot of like there's a lot of, um, you know, production values going into a lot of the kid, the other kid who was jumping uh, from different superheroes and things like that. It's sort of where creativity does live. I, I got caught in TikTok for an hour yesterday. Just enjoying. Yeah, there's myself. a lot of cooking TikToks too, and I mean, there's sort of like every single genre: makeup, shopping. Uh, you know, it's everything. What's the downside? What are, What are you seeing? What are you worried about though on there? Um, I I think that I mean I do I think that one downside is this pressure to go viral. I think um you know followers aren't as important on TikTok, but it is kind of hard because. Once you, you know, once you publish like a hit video, it's kind of can be frustrating because then your next video can just do like a thousand views. It doesn't even matter if you have half a million followers. Mm -hmm. um, so, there, you know, there is kind of a pr pressure to perform, which there is on sort of all social networks. 
um, which I think can be overwhelming. And, and it's, but, but the political part of it is important. K-pop fans used it right. to supposedly buy out tickets for the Trump rally. India announced that it's banning the app. Does it's going to get further dragged into everything? Uh, it's very political. I mean, I would say that, you know, when you think about youth activism today and where it's being expressed online, it's it, TikTok is sort of at the forefront of all that. I mean, obviously, if you want to think of downsides, the app as well, it is, you know, a Chinese app. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there are certain concerns around user data and privacy that come with that. Um, so, I, you know, I think it'll be kind of interesting to see where it goes and kind of where, you know, how the app handles problems of misinformation um, and some of these kind of more thorny political issues that people are starting to make videos out of, like Pizzagate. So Taylor, can you summarize, it's just incredible that TikTok's been able to carve out this gigantic piece of the pie when it felt like social media was all but over. Can you summarize what the magic is here? How have they been able to sort of come in and, and be so successful? How do you describe TikTok to someone who hasn't used it in terms of its value Well, I say it's sort of a short form video app, um, kind of like Vine. It does allow for this very easy expression of creativity. I think one brilliant thing they did was break that idea of the follow graph, which, you know, now just seems so archaic. When you think of these modern social networks, it's like up to the user to kind of figure out distribution of their own content. Um, You know, TikTok pioneered the For You page, which is this very advanced algorithmic way to deliver content to people. Um, And it sort of lets each piece of content find its own audience, Mm -hmm. um, you know, which is much better than something like Instagram or Twitter, where you have to kind of like keep up this consistent persona or, you know, post sort of content in in certain buckets to kind of keep your followers engaged. Um, So I think that, I mean, I think that was their big innovation and just allowing for more kind of creative tools. Do you think the new CEO from Disney means they're planning an IPO? Oh, gosh, I don't know about all the IPO stuff, but I do think that it's that it means that they're sort of taking the American market very seriously. I know they're beefing up their L.A. office, too. And do you imagine they'll spin it off to deal with the China issue? Because, you know, that is that's gotten a lot of attention. It it will continue to get attention, I think, no matter what. I think also as these, you know, especially young people use the platform to engage in uh, sort of political behavior and activism, it's only going to get more attention from lawmakers. Um, You know, so we'll see. I think that the, you know, the hiring of a U.S. CEO is certainly a move to kind of thwart some of that. But, you know, we'll see if they take the big step of breaking it off. All right, let's move into uh, uh, Clubhouse. What happened? Explain for everybody what this site is, because you know you cover not just TikTok; you cover all kinds of social media. Uh, and here's an attempt by a bunch of you explain it. You you give the give the information and then tell us what happened to you on it. Sure. So Clubhouse is an audio-only social network. Um, it's kind of similar to like a bunch of Discord voice calls if you could have people, um, you know, also listening to calls as well as just mm-hmm. like, you know, participating in them. So you'll sort of have this group of listeners and group of speakers and you can kind of bump people back down and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's interesting. I mean, if you think about audio, there's not much that's been done in terms of like real-time audio communication. I, I think especially in quarantine, um, Clubhouse was this app that people got really excited about. It was a way to kind of, a new way to connect with people synchronously in this really fun format. Um, I was one of the first users of the app. I mean, I downloaded it pretty much immediately. Um, you know, there there are almost no other journalists on the app. Um, and, right. Right. Uh, you know, I always download everything as soon as it comes out. Just to yeah, try. I didn't. And now I can't get in. Yeah, That's which is just, just insane. Um, right. And, you know, I was really excited about it. I think that from the get-go, there were this sort of large community of VCs 
on there, um, you know, probably interested in funding it. And I was definitely one of the proponents that was like, no, this is a cool, interesting new format. Let's take it mm -hmm. seriously. And, you know, let's look into some of these younger users that are using it in more innovative ways. Um, unfortunately, right. yeah. <laughs> the app has just become dominated by the most toxic um, sort of sex of the tech community. You know, these this right. sort of toxic users um, go on there and, and use it to kind of bash people and say things that they'd be too scared to say on on Twitter or in public. It's it's given them, you know, this little place. My colleague Aaron Griffith compared it to the Rosewood, which I guess is someplace in Silicon Valley where it these is. people hang it out. Is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a rest it's a bar in the middle. Rosewood is a hotel, but there's a bar there that all the VCs go to and they uh and we're moving on from that. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I heard that. Yeah. Okay. It. Well, anyway, uh, Scott is incensed by what's happened. I want first of all, wait before she goes. What's happened to you? The harassment. So they were explained so we can talk about it fully. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, a few of these clubhouse users, power users that are consistently invited up, platformed by Andreessen Horowitz, um, have been sort of consistently harassing me for months. They've just been saying really negative stuff about me talking about me on Clubhouse, you know, posting some tweets about me, kind of telling other people in tech that have reached out to me that they're saying, oh, and it's just been annoying mm -hmm. to deal with. I mean, I don't even cover these people. I don't even write about deep right. VCs. So, um, you know, finally, it just got to a point where I was just so frustrated with all of it. I posted a tweet about Steph Corey, um, the CEO of Away, sort of did this Instagram rant about the media. I pretty sharply criticized it on Twitter. And for some reason, that set yeah. them off. They said and, that you were um, not showing the right screen. It seemed ridiculous because she start she started the whole thing. But go ahead. Oh, I mean, her whole screen was mm -hmm. ridiculous, and I don't think she should have. Posted and the company it, has since you know. said not so much. But go ahead. So the company's upset yeah. by that too. The employees, her own employees, you know, has wrote this big open letter, and even I believe her co-founder, mm -hmm. you know, said that this is not what we want from the co-founder. So. I think it was very valid to criticize this woman who is extremely rich <laughs> and is, you know, very in influential, you know, tech person or whatever. She's, she runs a luggage company, but it's considered tech. So um, anyway, that really set them off. And basically since then, I've just been um, dealing with sort of harassment, nonstop harassment, doxing and um, just horrible accounts being set up against me. People saying just awful things. Um, now, I just want to say, I mean, I don't know that these specific people in tech are behind these accounts. I think it's probably like their yeah. fanboys who they're I've been, I've been subject um, to them. So yes, I know. Yeah, it's just a bad group of people. And it's so disappointing the way that Clubhouse has handled this. I mean, what a whiff. Um, you know, you'd think that, hey, I'm the CEO of this new hot social app. You know, I know that trust and safety has been a big issue for Twitter, Instagram, all of this. Um, you know, maybe I would want to speak out against this or take some sure. precautions, you know, issue some community guidelines. They've done none of that. Okay. So Taylor, just some rules of the road when I ask questions, because you haven't been on the show before. Typically my questions are an opportunity for me to talk about me and to, <laughs> to for me to make a comment in the form of a question. So let's start. So I have raised over $100 million from VCs, many of whom are probably on uh, douche house. Two, I've made, I've invested tens of millions of dollars in private companies. So I, I would, by most standards, I'm probably one of the biggest, 100 biggest VCs in New York. And my question is, how can you not realize how just fucking awesome we are? I mean, we're 84% male and we have managed <laughs> to include 3% people of color in our ranks. How can you not? 
how can you not acknowledge how awesome you are? We are. And also, Taylor, I did a search on your New York Times <laughs> articles and your persecution of us just must end. The last three articles you've written, Taddy and Devin, the ultimate TikTok rom-com, then Shane Dawson and Jeffree Star losing followers and losing ads. Oh my God, these attacks must stop, Taylor. <laughs> YouTube personality Jenna Marble apologizes for blackface video. It may be time to dust off your roller skates from June 24th. The attacks on us <laughs> must stop, Taylor. Don't you realize how awesome we are? All right, Scott. Just stop All right. it. Stop All right, so it. Scott, ask an actual question. That's very cute. That's adorable. And she's very pleased by your thing. What What is your question? Well, what is it? I, I just don't get it. What is it about? Uh, how did this become zero to toxic faster than any social media platform in history? How did this become so ugly so fast? Is it just that tw it's like Twitter on steroids? What What are the dynamics here that have led the limited partners of Andreessen Horowitz invest in toxicity at a speed of which we've never seen before? What do you think the elements are? What can be learned here such that the next people that want to start a social platform don't end up in this ugly place. Well, I think, you know, here's an example of a social platform that just does not take any user safety issues into, into concern from the get-go, right. from the right. get-go. I mean, this is an app that's been around for months. Um, you know, they, they consistently talk about it being in beta test. They've never rolled out blocking. They've never rolled out any kind of safety concerns. They've also courted other users. You know, there's many men on there who have been, um, you know, accused of sexual misconduct, sexual harassment, sexual assault. You know, if you think about who you want for your community of beta testers, it's just crazy that you would cultivate this community of sort of like you sort of invite some of the most toxic men on the internet and have them be your beta tester community and then be surprised that something like this happens. Now they say that a lot of people said there's other groups on this thing, but it seems to dominate with these people. And, and actually Casey Newton uh, noted is clubhouse, the first social startup to self immolate over content moderation crisis before leaving cr closed beta. So talk a little bit about that. What, what there, is there other stuff on there? Let's try to be slightly fair to them in terms of that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've spent, I have to show you my screen time because I have spent hours and hours and hours on this mm -hmm. app. Um, I am part of a community of users um, who, you know, used to be on there every night. And yeah, there is some, you know, cool, exciting stuff. Obviously not every single room is full of, you know, toxic conversation. Um, I've made myself have made friends on the app. Um, unfortunately, the largest and most influential rooms are those run by Andreessen Horowitz people. Um, you know, Felicia Horowitz's Saturday night dinner party that she has on the app. Um, you know, that's what hundreds of users are turning in, in for, you know, they're not tuning in for you and your five other friends who are just having basically like a voice, you know, a voice chat about Hamilton or whatever. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, when they bring these people in, they bring these like high powered kind of celebrities in, you know, they'll have DeRay, for instance, come Durant in McKesson. and talk about, yeah. yeah, exactly. An activist, you know, talk about stuff. I, I, you know, that's, it's been interesting, but since they don't allow journalists on the app, the questions are just 
abysmal. Right. I mean, I remember, you know, when Ben Horowitz actually- Why wouldn't they allow journalists? I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. It's very active. And I actually, you know, asked the founder explicitly to please invite journalists. And it's it's absolutely an attempt to shield themselves from criticism. I mean, listen, we heard one hour of the conversation yeah, happening talk on about that it. app. It got leaked, leaked, right? Correct. Explain. Yeah. So an hour of the conversation on the app got leaked to Vice last week. Um, you can listen to it. It's on SoundCloud now. And I just think, you know, that just that hour is is just so shocking. It's these tech people just bashing the press, yeah. saying horrible things. Um, you know, that shows why they don't want the media on there. Yeah. You know, these people are upset that they're being recorded because they're saying things that they think are sort of. It's, it's really be too criticized. bad because I do think I do think uh, I love The New York Times. I love The Wall Street Journal. And I've always thought that The Wall Street Journal is an evangelist for business. And the New York Times kind of saw itself playing more of a role of being a watchdog. And I think the New York Times, up until about five or 10 years ago, had a bias against business. And I would argue five or 10 years ago, they fell in love with tech and entrepreneurs like everybody else and started idolizing them. But there is, I think there is a valid conversation around, does the New York Times have a bias against entrepreneurs and, and tech billionaires? Do they have a bias? And then invite people and have some evidence. Like I, in about two minutes, I just did a search across venture capital, startups, entrepreneurship, and your name uh, uh, on the New York Times. And then I did the same thing on the Wall Street Journal. And there's a difference, but what, what mostly comes back is that media still suffers from this massive sycophantry of innovators, not that they're targeting them. There's an interesting conversation here. Some of the Some of the editorial, some of the reporting has been weak and bad, just as it is in any industry. But invite the people on to have a productive well, I, I, conversation. Exactly. Don't immediately. I think, I think yeah. he's talking about me. I think he's talking about me because I am <laughs> tough on him. But I think what happens is what's really interesting to me is that they picked Taylor to do this because Taylor understands these mediums, I think, which is interesting. And you you write about these mediums. And one of the things is this is the kind of stuff they say to each other uh, by themselves and complain about this whole victimization mentality that they have, this constant victimization of the world's most rich and powerful people. And so these, it's not lost that some of these are investors in Facebook. Like, let's be clear. Mark Andreessen's on the board of Facebook. Um, you know, it's, it's really very interesting to watch how they do this. And I think it is this victimization question. So let me ask just a, two more questions. Scott may have one more is how do you imagine audio this because you can't really moderate audio right like what's the, mm-hmm. that's the difficulty here you can watch it on twitter you can see the you can start to label things um when you're in social media how when this starts to become audio or and video what happens i think it's really hard i mean number one if you're gonna know knowing all of that about audio as a platform i think you need to be very intentional about the community that you foster right if you are going to build this audio platform you should kind of have built-in moderation steps um, and you should kind of openly say, look, we're not going to, you know, host white supremacists on here. We're not going to host harassment on here. That's not the kind of stuff we're going to take reports of that stuff very seriously because it's not what we want. I mean, you see Discord now also a big player in audio and a lot of people go on there to have these voice chats during gaming. They're trying to broaden beyond gaming. They're making, you know, they're, they're paying all this lip service to like, well, we don't want these groups on here. This is who we want. So I think part of it is just tone setting, um, you know, from the from the platform mm-hmm. level. Um, and then in terms of moderation, I think you need to build in sort of roles and community guidelines. I'll point to Discord again, although they have huge problems too. But, you know, you can designate different roles. You can block people. You can boot people. Um, and all of that just helps, you know, helps with, with moderation. Of course, Clubhouse is going to have a struggle, and that's why they should be more intentional, you know, 
more intentional yeah. than others about yeah. it. Right now, they're being less intentional. And that's what's so frustrating. Oh, Taylor, be clear. It's over. The, <laughs> the, the limited partners at Andrews and Horowitz right now are emailing for an emergency meeting. They're already worried about, they're already getting calls from their limited partners. I'm sorry, the general partners. Their limited partners are like, let me get this. We invested 10 million, you guys invested $10 million at a pre of 90 million on a company with two people such that you could demonstrate how fucking toxic you are. Literally. This is over. This All is right, but over. I, but and is there a promise in it? Let's just see. Taylor. Okay, I yeah. Think, how would you fix think, it? I'm I sorry. How would you fix I it? I think that there's promise in audio. I mean, if you think about what like TikTok success, right? Part of TikTok right. success was leveraging the power of audio and introducing this idea of kind of like audio remixes, audio memes. So I do think that we're seeing interesting innovations in the audio space. I don't think that Clubhouse is it. Um, but, you know, again, also Discord trying to say that they're scaling out, trying to get more people on it. I do think that there will be more kind of like real-time synchronous audio events. There's also a bunch of startups like Fundo and all these other things like Cameo is now offering kind Cameo of like, is one, yeah. um, you know, these calls. I, I think that, yeah, I, so I think that the, the space is interesting. I don't think Clubhouse is a good execution of it. Um, but What's this medium called? Like, how, what would you call it? And does it survive on its own or does it become an adjunct to other mediums? Does it become the next, does it V2.0 a podcast? I, I don't even know how you describe this medium. What's it called? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I don't, we need some marketer to come up with a catchy yeah, phrase. Yeah, come up I with mean, a phrase. I, I do think that it's podcasts are also a, a version of this expansion of, of mm-hmm. audio. And obviously, if you think about sort of like wearables and AirPods, just there was this um, social network called, I think it was called TTYL, that was this like always on social network, AirPod social network that I tried a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. It was horrible, but, uh, you know, interesting, interesting concepts in this space. It's, it is ironic. I just want to say that they're targeting me because I generally um, am very optimistic about technology mm-hmm. and I, my stories usually explore the promises of new technology. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, in this case, I think I can confidently say that, you know, this app yeah, is Let me just be us. clear. They are targeting Taylor and other, actually, it's often young women, uh, especially they're targeting you. They use you in the term bounty. Well, I want to go into and tell it. By the way, just, that was that was actually well, on, they're targeting a, a reporter who's a young woman, actually, who wrote that story. I had nothing to actually do with it. But the using the term bounty, <laughs> you better be very careful. When Can you I can't imagine? imagine, I can't. I listen. But the woman who wrote that was a young woman reporter. This is not. There's there is a very direct link between sexism. And these attacks and the toxicity of tech bros in Silicon Valley. What you mean from an industry that's eighty four percent male? I mean, Imagine it, that. Which, which, which is great. I actually had someone say, "Well, she's just being she's she's speaking up about it. She should keep quiet." And I was like, "Are you kidding me? Like, no. Like, the fact that you all can't speak up is the problem. Not that Taylor speaks up for herself. Sorry, Taylor, I'm not speaking for you. But what what yeah, what are you it. doing about that? that? Let's finish on that. What do you imagine you should? Is there anything more you can do but except speak up? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll see. I mean, I'm very outspoken on the internet, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, much to uh, sometimes my boss's chagrin. But, uh, you know, and I, I mean, I, I'll just keep cultivating sources and, re- you know, reporting. I mean, I, I think I don't deal with these tech VCs. They're pretty much irrelevant to my beat. Um, I really report on sort of the next generation of entrepreneurs and creators and, you know, people doing cool things on the internet. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to keep doing that. And let's be that. clear, it's their followers that do this so they can t- they can take away their own culpability. They create a situation and their followers do things like doxing and harassing. We were subject to it. And it wasn't them. They just started whistling the dog whistles and that was how it worked. Exactly. Yeah. So, Taylor, I just have one thing and uh, one last thing. As someone who is, is, you know, and I'm playing the victim now, attacked and targeted on a regular basis, there's two observations and you're a lot younger 
than either Kara Kara or me, especially Kara. I'm much younger than Kara. But (laughs) what you should really take away from this, and I'm being serious now, is two things. One is you probably got it wrong or aspects of it, and it's a moment for reflection. But two, if you don't get targeted and attacked, it means you're not saying anything. So sister, keep on saying things. This is a function. This is a symptom of your progress and the fact that you are making a difference. Listen, no, you got nothing (laughs) wrong, Taylor. You know what? Like, uh, you know, no, it's a moment for reflection. There's usually a kernel of of truth in these attacks. What they do is they pick on. Let me just tell you, they only pick a tiny little thing that maybe you did wrong. Right, a kernel kernel of truth. Is not truth. It's just like finding some tiny little way in to bring in their toxic, like victimization bullshit. It's a moment for reflection. No, it's a moment for their reflection. It's a learning moment. It's a moment for their reflection. Yeah, it's a moment of learning from them, them. and it's a moment for them. Them to reflect on their we behavior. We always say and when we're wrong, don't we? Too, we always do. We, yeah, I admit when I'm wrong all uh, the time. All listen, the time. Your your time, Scott Galloway, <laughs> is done, and we are going to. You and I are going to have a little. I'm in the 11th Let me just inning. say, but Taylor, we really appreciate it. I'm glad. See, listen, what I have to deal with every day. I'm trying to educate. Right on, I'm educating. The dog has yes, your back. We will. I'm going <laughs> gangster the way, on these guys. People Wait attack you, Scott. Ad. So I don't even know why you're even like. Yeah, I've seen them. Come yeah, they come for guy. Scott. They don't like you because you affiliate with them. Anyway, Taylor, you do wonderful work. Your pieces are always like 100% delightful. And again, keep speaking up. I mean, I know there's a price for it, but you certainly, uh, you certainly are. You should, Taylor's you're a, a gangster. gangster. Taylor. We appreciate it. All right. <laughs> Thanks for Thanks. having me. All right. Bye, bye, guys. All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be back for wins and fails. Okay, Scott, we're back with wins and fails. Uh, what do you say? What do you say, Scott Galloway? It's an extra long show. I know. Okay, so the fail is easy. The, the limited partners who have just woken up and realized they've invested $10 million or their fiduciaries for their capital, mm-hmm. Andreessen Horowitz, general partners have invested $10 million at a pre of 90 and a post of 100 in a company with two people to create the company that's gone from zero to toxic faster than any company in history. Mm -hmm. That's my fail. Uh, Do you have a fail today, Kara? I would agree with you on that one. I think they just, it continues to show, you know, and I talk about their victimization, how they think like the people of Facebook think they're being acted upon. It is really, I can't get it more clear. And this was a video, this was an audio representation of the kind of victimization that the most powerful and richest people in the world could not understand why they're a problem. They always try to pick at things. And again, you're right. Journalists should absolutely admit when they make mistakes, you know, all the time and say, we didn't get this one right. Or we quoted people who weren't quite right or stuff like that. And we do that. It's just that, that they, they, they take it to a level that's in, it's just ridiculous. And they try to make up these dumb narratives about clicks, which are just, it's just so much bullshit. It's just their, their click narrative is bullshit. They 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 sound like Trumpers. They sound like I don't know what else to say. They sound like Donald Trump, each and every one of them. And and not in a, not in a, it, 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 and it's really disappointing to me, given how much power and influence they have. So yeah, yes, I yeah. agree with you. Win? What's a win? So my win is uh, Ennio Morricone died at the age of ninety one uh, mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. Uh, this is a guy who just led such an incredible life. Uh, didn't like to travel, so managed to do everything from his home in Rome. And figured out a way to get people to move their skeletal structure, their digits, their respiratory system to move flesh and air through crafted metal, i.e. instruments, and then, and then collide 
those sounds with video and frames to evoke incredible emotion. This guy did, he was the composer for several hundred films, including spaghetti westerns. He also did, he would make you feel tense in an episode of The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. He would yep. he would make you feel sad. I think one of the most beautiful soundtracks ever written for a, mu- a movie uh, for The Mission. He would oh, make you yeah, feel beautiful. incredible emotion. One of the most, I think one of the most emotional moments in filmmaking history was the final scene in Cinema Paradiso. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This guy was able to take movement in film and collide it with just such extraordinarily beautiful music and that was just half of it. He could attach it to, to video and movement and make you really feel something. So this is a guy who died at 91 and made an, immense, an incredible living making people feel things. What a, what a life well lived. Ennio Morricone dead at 91. Well, well done. Right. Well, very nice. That's really good. Um, I would say I'm trying to think of a positive thing because so much bad news is this week. You know, again, it continues. But I do think that uh, I think a lot more people are becoming, you know, these numbers, these poll numbers are showing how uh, how incredibly toxic. Speaking of toxicity, the messages from President Trump are around, you know, he's doubling down on racism and coronavirus denial. Um, and, you know, that might, you know, shore up his, uh, you know, especially some of the Supreme Court might shore up his support with uh, evangelicals, you know, because they're, they're ruling against him. Uh, but the, the, this, the polls seem to indicate that people are tired of this ridiculous show. And I, think so he's got I, his pri- I don't think that's fair. I think he's got his priorities right. He's protecting the statues of enemy combatants. I think that's where he should be focused right now. <laughs> Nothing else is going on here, Kara. <laughs> it's just, I just feel like that people are, are taking coronavirus seriously, despite all the pictures of people partying and dancing I have seen many more people sort of, uh, and you know, Agreed. I welcome even the crazy, the Republicans who've been so irresponsible. Um, I would say, uh, I would say I, I welcome them, um, uh, to, uh, to, to, uh, to the, to the mask, you know, and, and there's going to be fewer and fewer mask holes as people call them. And so, yeah. uh, if you're a mask hole, you really need to stop and, and care, care about civic duty. But there's a lot of people who really do. And so I'd like to call attention to them. Well, you know, the, so. the lead on Trump's fundraising campaign, Kimberly Gafoyle, who, by the way, yeah. I met 15 years ago mm-hmm. at the Soho House, and she was she nothing was, but lovely and yeah, interesting and nice. Yeah, she's the wife of, Don, of uh, Gavin Newsom. In the yeah, I really enjoyed meeting her. But what is, right. what's the follow-up call when you invite all of these, the wealthiest Republican donors who are likely going to skew a little bit older and mm-hmm. male, which is ground zero, about one in five of those people, if they get infected, will end up in the hospital. What's the call when you follow up and say, hey, thanks for coming to the fundraiser. Uh, you need to isolate for 14 days. I've tested positive. Please please send in your checks now. <laughs> that can't be an easy follow-up <laughs> yeah, call from yeah. the fundraiser. That can't, well, that can't be easy, Kara. That can't be easy. I, I, I hope she gets better. How about that? How about I say that? The I lovely woman. Gets- I hope she, no, nah, I'm not so sure about that, but oh, nonetheless. Really, she was seem really nice, well, smart, nice. I don't know if you've seen her lately, but changed quite a bit in any oh, case. I feel triggered. I don't see YouTube. looks, Kara. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? I don't about see looks. looks. I'm talking about what comes out of her pie hole. Um, oh, let me just it. tell you. No, 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 no. Anyway, Scott, we have to go, but pivot, pivot listeners who can't get enough of the dog and the dog can't get enough of, of Kara Swisher, the jungle cat, can go to pivotschool.com to get tickets to our live stream show in August. They're going to be long. It's going to be a lot of material. We've got a lot of great guests. We have links in the show notes too. Don't forget if there's a story in the news that you're curious about, want to hear about, our opinion on, email us at at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show. 
Scott, read us out and don't worry, I will be here Thursday for you. Today's episode was produced by Rebecca Sinanis, our executive producer is Eric Anderson. Thanks to our sound engineer, Fernando Finete. Also, special thanks to Drew Burrows. If you like what you heard, please download or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, have a great rest of the week. Um, 4% of the population, 25% of the deaths and the infections. Exercise your independence, your respect for independence, your respect for others, your citizenship. Let's all mask up. Mask up.